We made it, everybody. The 91st Academy Awards came to a close, and even though there was no host to walk us through it, the whole thing turned out all right and actually ended on time. Well, close enough to on time, anyway. One thing that really struck me was how, for the most part, the event was fairly apolitical. Yes, the night is about Hollywood, but I couldn't help but recall the Time's Up pins in Frances McDormand's famous Inclusion Rider line in her acceptance speech last year, and I think there certainly were a lot of missed opportunities when it came to making statements. Of course, that's not at all to say that nothing happened, and I'm here to break down what I thought was important, including many pleasant surprises and a few that were not so pleasant. Yes, I'm looking at you, Green Book. But before we get to that, I want to talk about some of my favorite moments. The night kicked off to a great start with Regina King's win for Best Supporting Actress for If Beale Street Could Talk, the only win of the night for a great film, and King's portrayal of Sharon Rivers is exceptional. The empowered mother that she plays provides a stark and welcome contrast to the type of supporting roles that women of color have typically been recognized for in the past, and I hope that this win has the potential to pave the way for a far more nuanced representation in the future. The win of Spike Lee and his collaborators for Black Klansman in the Best Adapted Screenplay category was an absolute joy to see, and nothing could compare to seeing him leap onto Samuel L. Jackson and then give an incredible speech about African American history and the need to mobilize before the 2020 presidential election. Lee has never shied away from being political, and his use of the time on the podium to call attention to our troubled times and demand action proves that he's the kind of guy who's always willing to put his money where his mouth is. Alfonso Cuaron had a huge night as well, with the monumental achievement of being the first cinematographer to win the Oscar in that category for a film that he also directed. Roma took home the award for Best Foreign Language Film as well, and after winning Best Director for the film, Cuaron gave an emotional speech, sparking a dialogue about the importance of representation, saying, quote, I want to thank the Academy for recognizing a film centered around an indigenous woman, one of the 70 million domestic workers in the world without workers' rights, a character that has historically been relegated in the background in cinema. As artists, our job is to look where others don't." End quote. Women shined in all the acceptance speeches for the short film categories, which included documentary, live action, and animated. In the documentary short category, the winner was a film called Period, End of Sentence, a discussion on the taboo of menstruation in India. It was clear that the themes of the film resonated with the women on stage as they celebrated their win. In their acceptance speech, they summed up the message of the film saying, quote, a period should end a sentence, not a girl's education. Prior to seeing its nomination on the day of the awards, I can't say that I had heard of the film. However, to me, that perfectly exemplifies the potential that the Oscars have to bring small films about important social issues to the front and center of the conversation. I was lucky enough to get to see Skin, the live-action short that won, and the way it begins a dialogue on ideas of race relations and the role we play in fostering acceptance in future generations was no doubt worthy of recognition. And finally, the speech of Domi Shi and Becky Naiman Cobb, who won in the Best Animated Short category for their film Bao, was no doubt one of my favorite speeches of the night, with she saying, quote, to all the nerdy girls out there who hide behind their sketchbooks, don't be afraid to tell your stories to the world. That to me is something so special, and again illustrates the power of the Academy to raise up these voices and give young creatives a role model who looks just like them. 
another win that fell into a similar vein was Into the Spider-Verse, a movie I didn't get a chance to talk about on my previous pods. When the filmmakers won, they talked about the importance of representing diversity on screen, saying, quote, When we hear that somebody's kid was watching the movie and turned to them and said, he looks like me, or they speak Spanish like us, we feel like we already won. I really insist that you guys check Spider-Verse out, not only because it's some of the most fun I've had at the movies in a while, but for the reasons just mentioned, I think it's one of the most important. My final favorite moment of the awards was Olivia Coleman's victory for her role of Queen Anne in The Favorite, a movie I talked about in depth in my episode on female representation. If you saw this speech and your heart didn't grow three sizes, just don't even talk to me. Coleman was such a delight to watch, and her performance was no doubt one of my favorites of the year, so on a personal level, I couldn't help but be moved. Now, for the not-so-good. The domination of technical awards by men was not surprising, seeing as how nearly all the nominees were male, but the true injustice of it all really started to crystallize as the awards unfolded and men repeatedly dominated the stage. I can't help but hope that the promises studios have been making so far with things like the 4% challenge will really begin to instigate visible change at next year's ceremony. Additionally, Bohemian Rhapsody was a big winner in the technical categories, which is not explicitly bad. As someone who is not proficient in things like editing and sound mixing, I can't in good conscience say it was unearned, but I just really wasn't a fan of the film as a whole and would have far preferred those awards to go to a film like Black Panther, or even First Man for that matter. Finally, in my own opinion, which you may take or leave at your leisure, Green Book's best picture win is a disgrace. I offered a more in-depth takedown of the film in my episode on African-American representation, but even then I knew it was a front-runner, and now to actually watch it win? It just makes me mad all over again. In a year where the Academy had the chance to give awards to films like Black Klansman or Roma, which celebrate diversity, what does it say about whose narratives we value when a movie about race wins and the makeup of those accepting the award is predominantly white? Also. Peter Farrelly thanked Viggo Mortensen about a thousand times in his speech, barely mentioning Mahershala and Dr. Shirley left out altogether. I won't go so far as to say that this choice undoes many of the more inclusive wins in other categories, but it no doubt will leave a stain on what could have otherwise been a far more progressive and accepting show. And on that note, with the end of the Oscars comes the end of Statue Chat. I had a lot of fun making this, and hopefully I can be back next year to do an even deeper dive into some of the aspects I didn't have time for this year, such as Asian American or LGBTQ representation, both of which were fairly scarce during this ceremony. But where do we go from here? The only way the industry changes is if we demand that it does. So start thinking critically about what you see. Watch movies led by people of color. Watch movies directed by women. And challenge movies that maintain the status quo. Question camera work and really think about the types of characters you see on screen and whether or not they conform to your expectations. Because when it comes down to it, it's never just a movie. Thanks for listening, everybody. 